Welcome to the TCU Chi Alpha podcast, where we share sermons, interviews, and other resources that encourage and challenge students as they follow Jesus on campus. The question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Did you guys get that growing up? I did, and when I was eight, someone asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, a carnival worker. And um, I did not, I mean, the adults just laughed and laughed and laughed when I said that. I had no idea that that wasn't like some prestigious sought-after job. Like, all I knew is that carnival workers got to uh, travel. They got to ride carnival rides and eat as many turkey legs and as much cotton candy as they wanted. And honestly, it still kind of sounds like a dream job. Um, And so, uh, when you're a kid, the answer to what do you want to be when you grow up, it doesn't have, it really doesn't have a lot of consequences. Like, you have room to dream, you have room to change your mind, uh, you have room to get laughed at like me, but... But you guys aren't kids anymore, right? Um, the whole idea of when you grow up is now. <laughs> That's the time, right? And so the choices that you're making over the next five to 10 years will really determine uh, and significantly shape um, your future and the rest of your life. Like what grad school will you attend? Where will you get a job? Uh, who will you marry? Where will you live? Will you start having kids? How many kids will you have? 15 year or 30 year mortgage, right? Anybody getting stressed out? Yeah, those are big decisions, right, with real consequences. And if you follow Jesus, you want to get his direction in your life in this area. Like, you want to get his input and guidance on these things. After all, he did create you and save you, and he does know you better than you know yourself. So you want to seek his will for your future. And that's good. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> I support that fully. So when we start, to seek, uh, start seeking God's will for our future, certain questions start to come up. Like, God... Do you speak to us? <laughs> Do you speak to us? Do you really want to speak to me personally about my future? How will I know it's actually God's will and not just my own plans that, or will for my life? Like when I start to feel something, how will I know it's God? Uh, what, if, what if God wants me to change my plans or ask me to do something that I hate? <laughs> what do I do then, right? Like, those questions, we, we really, we do wrestle with those in this season of life. And, and tonight we're going to try to address some of those questions. But before we do, I want to look at a passage of Scripture where Jesus talks to his followers about trusting God with their future. Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
Okay, so what does this have to do with our future? <laughs> like God's plan for our future? Jesus starts this section off saying, do not worry. And then he asks, can worry add an hour to your life? And, and why do you worry? And do not worry. And he ends with, do not worry about tomorrow. When is your future? Tomorrow. <laughs> not today, right? It's, it's the future. He says, do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about your future. And if Jesus is saying this in this teaching that, that we don't have to worry about future food or future clothes or future drink, like then surely it also applies to our future marriage, our future career, right? Where we'll live, all of those things. And so instead of worrying, Jesus is offering us a better way. He's offering us a better way, a way where we can be free from constant worry, we do need food and we do need clothes and jobs and a place to live and eventually hopefully a spouse, right? Please, Lord. Um, but we don't have to be consumed with worry and anxiety about those things. And Jesus says that we find that better way when our focus and our priority is on God's kingdom and righteousness first. And everything else is actually secondary to that. Notice Jesus is, is not saying here, don't think about these things. He's just saying, don't worry about them. They're secondary to God's kingdom and righteousness. So we do think and we do plan and we do pray about our needs and our future. But if we're so overwhelmed by it that we're losing sleep, that it's dominating our thoughts, that it's the only thing that we can think about and pursue, that's not the life Jesus wants for his followers. And if we feel that overwhelming, overwhelming worry and anxiety, we have to ask, is it possible that we have our priorities actually upside down? Is it possible that we put too much emphasis on the secondary things rather than the first thing that Jesus says we should pursue? If the answer is yes, those upside down priorities might actually be what's causing our stress and our anxiety. In this passage, Jesus mentions a group of people called pagans. And in other translations, they're called Gentiles or unbelievers. Basically, what he's talking about are people that do not follow God or don't believe in the God of the Bible, or follow uh, false gods. And so Jesus is saying that people, the, the people that don't follow God, run after, or chase after, or worry about food, and drinks, and clothing. Why? Because if there is no God who provides these things, then someone has to be worried about them. Or you don't eat, right? Or you run around naked, right? Like, if there's no Heavenly Father caring for us, then, then we don't have to come up, we, we do have to come up with a really good plan, to care for ourselves if there is no God caring for us. And when it comes to the big decisions about our future, the same thing applies. If there's no God, then you have to worry about every single detail of your future because everything about your happiness and satisfaction and worth as a person depends on your ability to plan and execute the perfect path for your future. In the absence of God, our identity, our value, our purpose, our joy can only be found in either ourselves or our career or our spouse or our friends, our lifestyle, our possessions. If there is no God, there's incredible pressure to get every one of those decisions perfectly right. And here's the thing. Even if somehow without God in the picture at all, I did manage to make the perfect plan for my future and execute it perfectly, if my purpose and my worth can only be affirmed through my career and success and cultivating a compelling personal brand, right, I should be worried. If my life's joy and happiness is dependent solely on the person I marry or my kids or the kinds of friends I have, I should be worried. 
if my greatest hopes for my future revolve around the places that I want to go um, or the experiences I want to have or the possessions I plan to buy, I should be worried. Why? Because if this last year has taught us anything, it's that the weight of our lives cannot be placed on secondary things. They're far too fragile. You can lose your job. You can lose your health. You can use, lose your status, your fi- financial stability, just like that. I mean, just like that. And we know people who have. That's why Jesus is saying that we need to focus on the primary things. So, so if you feel that extreme pressure to worry and lose sleep over the things that God has deemed secondary, if you feel like you have to have it all figured out, you have to have the perfect five to ten year plan, um, or if you don't have it all figured out right now, then you're behind the curve and you're doomed. <laughs> That's not from God. That's from someone else. But it's not from God. God's not standing over you demanding that you get the perfect internship this summer uh, because if you don't, you're screwed with your job. Like, he's he's not doing that. He's not, uh, you know, over you just saying, like, girl, you better find a man and make me some grandbabies because, you know, like, he's, that's not God, right? Might be your parents, might be your mom, but it's not God. That's not how he works. Jesus says in this passage, you are so much more valuable to God than the things of the world, the birds, the flowers, and all that stuff. And so if we choose to follow Jesus, our identity, our purpose, our provision, our hope come from our heavenly father. Like we get those things from God simply by being his kids, by being his children. We don't earn our worth and identity from all the secondary things. We don't lose our worth and identity from life circumstances, whatever we lose, whatever we have. That's why the Apostle Paul could say in Philippians, I've learned how to be content in every situation with a lot of things, with a little bit of things, with an empty stomach, with a full stomach. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's what he says because he understood that those things were secondary to his pursuit of God. The most important things in life can be secured as a child of our Heavenly Father. If we follow Jesus, he offers freedom from that mental and emotional toll of chasing after the perfect plans and decisions about tomorrow. He offers a better way. Now you might think, okay, but wait, Andrew, are you saying that I'm supposed to just float effortlessly through life, like expecting Chick-fil-A sandwiches and Nike athleisure clothes and job offers and marriage proposals just to fall from the sky, right? No, I'm not saying that. Remember, Jesus doesn't say don't think about it. He just says don't worry about it. We still pray and plan and work hard. We still think about the secondary things, but we don't have to lose sleep over them. Because our Heavenly Father already knows what we need. That's what Jesus says. Our Heavenly Father already knows what we need. And as we seek Him first, He is faithful to provide what we need when we need it. And so that's the first takeaway we need to get from the words of Jesus in this passage. When it comes to your future, seek the first things first. When it comes to your future, Seek the first things first. God's kingdom and God's righteousness is what we should be chasing after, what we should be focusing on, what we should be concerned about. And what's really cool about this, guys, is that if we will focus on God's kingdom first, it actually lifts a huge burden for us as we think about God's plan for our future. Because there are already tons of tangible, practical things that God has said that we should do with our future in Scripture. This is just a, you know, a short list right? Love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Make disciples of all the nations and proclaim the gospel everywhere we go. 
Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Run from sin. Pursue holiness and godliness. Live unselfishly. Serve others. Sacrifice for others. Be generous. Participate in his church, the body of Christ, and on and on and on. That's just barely scratching the surface of things that God has already told us to do. Like we don't have to wait for him to tell us what his will is for our lives. We already know all of these things, the things that we find in Scripture. He already told us. And he wants us to do these things now and in the future. And so I feel like there should, that, that should be encouraging to us and give us peace because you can know that you can walk out God's will for your life no matter where he leads you in the future. Like you can make disciples whether you work on Wall Street or a Whataburger. You can that's God's will. Wherever you work, he wants you to make disciples, right? You can pursue holiness in an apartment or a McMansion. Either way, you can pursue holiness, right? You can still run after God. You can be a part of God's church in Paris, Texas or Paris, France. Either place, you can be walking out God's will for your future. And so all of these things, we can do these things now. We can do these things for the rest of our lives. And we get so caught up in what the plan is for the future that we miss out sometimes on all he's asked us to do today. And the, and, and the fact that we actually can walk out his expressed will no matter where we are. God really does care about those secondary needs. He really does. But he cares more about our soul than our career. And that's why he's asked us to focus on his kingdom. He cared enough about being in relationship with us that he sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we could even seek him first to begin with. So that we could participate in his mission and purpose on the earth, to expand his kingdom, to pursue him and be in relationship with him, to do things that actually have eternal significance, not just temporary pleasure, right? Wherever we are. And that's super freeing to me, that we have the opportunity to say to God, like, my greatest concern is you and seeking your kingdom first. I'm going to be obedient to all that you've commanded your followers to do. And I'll let you worry about when and how and where and who with. I'm going to let you worry about that stuff. I'll take you at your word when you said, all these things will be given to me as well. That was Jesus' promise in this passage. There's freedom in that. So much of our future is already very clear when we seek Jesus first, when we seek God first. When we try to do this so, we understand that unless you're more holy and more perfect than the rest of us in the room, we run into some snags, right? Worry still starts to creep in. And so that's the second thing I want us to see from this passage. When it comes to our future, worry is a warning light. When it comes to our future, worry is a warning light. Just like the light on your dashboard, that check engine light that um, people like me ignore for way too long. I don't know if anybody else does that. <laughs> it comes on when something's wrong, right? So worry is, is a sign that something might be off, that my focus, my pursuit might be being pulled away from God and his kingdom, or there's a temptation maybe to find my identity, my hope, in something else. Worry's like a little check engine light for our souls. Can I be real with you for just a second? Can I tell you about one of my warning lights of worry? I was uh, really never much of a worrier, and then I had kids, and uh, the amount of time that I've spent worried about their future in particular is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> um, man, a couple years ago, so Asher, our oldest, is five right now. Like two years ago, people were already asking, what are you guys going to do for school? Where are you going to send your kids for school? What are you guys going to do for education? I'm, I'm supposed to be thinking about that right now? Like, 
we're just trying to use the bathroom and not, you know, wet the bed. Like, I, I didn't know I was supposed to be thinking about education, but I, I didn't know until I started getting worried about it how many options there are even for kindergarten. <sighs> there's public, there's charter, there's Montessori, there's private, there's Christian private, there's homeschool, there's set them out in the yard and let nature take its course. Like, you can do any of those things. And I didn't know if you know this, but for every single one of those things, there's an expert that says that if you choose a certain option, your kid will be ruined their whole life. Like you will ruin their life. Absolutely and completely. Like your kids are going to get stabbed. They're going to be too sheltered. They're going to be so socially awkward that they never move out. Like that. And when you start hearing that stuff, worry, like it's creeping in, right? Because, you know, after all, my kid's whole future is determined by kindergarten, according to the experts. So, just like with our car, when we take it to like AutoZone or O'Reilly and they plug that machine in and it tells them what's going on, like diagnoses the issue, when worry starts to creep in, we can bring it to God and say, okay, Lord, let's diagnose this thing. Tell me what's going on. Like in those moments when the warning light of worry comes up about my kids, I can keep going and, and, and ignore it and let it become an issue, let it become a, a breakdown or... I can bring it to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I'm bringing you my worry right now. Like, am I being tempted to put my identity and worth in my kids instead of you? Am I letting the super loud voices of internet and social media outweigh the voice of the Holy Spirit right now? Am I forgetting that you love my kids way more than I do and that you're faithful to care for them? Like, Lord, help me repent of believing lies and help me believe what's actually true about you and about my kids. Like, give me wisdom to make an important Decision about school, it's a very important decision, but it's secondary. It's a secondary decision about stupid kindergarten. But more importantly than all of this stuff, let me be an example of, to my kids of a man who seeks you first and isn't overcome with worry about their future. Like, we can thank God for the warning light because it, it helps us get back on track. And so it's not like we're being sinful when worry starts to creep in, we don't have to worry about being worried. <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm not following Jesus anymore. I'm worried. That's not, that's not what's happening. It's what we do with the warning light when we notice it that matters. It's going to creep in. We're, we're going to have to fight that, but we can take it to God and deal with it before it becomes a breakdown, before it becomes a crash, or we can ignore it and we can be consumed with worry and, and our future and, and those secondary things. So when it comes to our future, we should seek the first things first and remember that worry is a warning light and we'll find that God is faithful. So now, the questions that we had earlier, Alicia is going to come up and, uh, and talk through those questions with us. So we've got a couple of questions that he asked right there at the beginning, right? Like, okay, does God really want to speak me to me personally about my future? Like, does he actually speak? Is that really a thing? Or was that just like the burning bush, right? Um, and I think that we, we here at Kyle Flower, we believe that he really does. We believe he still speaks today through a variety of ways. And in all honesty, like I said earlier, that's a whole other sermon. That's a whole other thing. And so uh, Andrew and I spent, it's like 35 minutes, 40 minutes of a podcast where we just kind of talk about how does God speak? How do we hear his voice? How can we try and learn to hear his guidance and direction? So if that's something that interests you, that you're like, I don't know how to hear God's voice, check that out. Um, and uh, hopefully that'll help clarify things for you. Um, but let's ask this other question. What if he wants me to change plans or asks me to do something I hate, right? Like what if, what if he asked me to do something I hate? 
And I would say that first, there's some things I'm going to just go ahead and say, he's never going to ask you to do something wrong. Okay. There's some things that he's already said in his word. There's some things that he's already listed in scripture that he's never going to ask you to do. Okay. So is it a career where you have to manipulate people? Is it a career where you have to lie to people or steal their money? Are you praying about marrying a guy that maybe doesn't know Jesus at all or have any interest in knowing Jesus? God's kind of already spoken to some of that stuff in his word, right? So there, I want to start with saying those things are already, are already addressed, right? But Aside from things that God has already spoken about in his word that are wrong or that, are, that he doesn't want you to do, will God ask us to do something we hate? That's always kind of a fear, right? If I ask God, maybe he's going to ask me to, like, I don't know, move to the other side of the world and be a missionary or something like that. Everybody kind of thinks that. I don't know if that was just me in college, but I kind of thought that. Um, but I would say that what I would say to that is that God designed you. God placed passions in you for a reason, and and he did that on purpose, okay? He designed us to be carriers of his presence to redeem this fallen world. That's why he made you the way he did, so that you could impact this world for him, okay? So as you look at your life and your passions, what do you love to do? Do you love working with kids? Do you love healthcare? Do you love equations and making financial finances work and all of that. Well, God probably put that in you for a reason, okay? And I think that um, we need to stop assuming that following God is antithetical to our wiring, right? We need to stop assuming that we're going to have to do something we hate because God put that stuff um, on in our lives on purpose. And as we get closer to God, I think we become more of our true selves. As we get closer to God, we begin to really kind of understand like, hey, I like, you understand the things you like better as you get closer to God. And so um, oftentimes we'll start looking at a career and we'll be like, okay, what would earn me a good living, right? Like what would, what would give me a good income? And I would challenge you, maybe instead of asking that, that question first. Ask yourself the question, what are things that God's put in my heart? What are things that I'm passionate about? What are things that I'm good at? And ask, maybe maybe God designed me that way for me to pursue a, a, a career or a future in that. The second question we have is, how will I know it's actually God and not just me? Like, how do I know if maybe I think I want to do this, but God wants me to do this whole other thing? How do I know it's me? It's God. Um, and I would say, if you're asking that question, it's a really good sign. So just take a breath. If you're asking that question, that means that you pro- you care about what he has to say, and you're probably on the right track, okay? Um, but I think that we need to kind of have this idea that God is not playing hide and seek with us, okay? I don't know about you, but I kind of sometimes think that it's like, I'm like, God, where are you at? And he's like, oh, I'm going to hide in this closet real quick. And he's like closes himself in the closet and you walk by, you're like, God, he's like, missed me, sucker. Like, you know, we kind of think he's like playing hide and seek and he doesn't want to be like found. And that's not God. God wants us to follow him. He's going to help us follow him. And he's not trying to hide from us, right? It says in his word, when you seek me, you will find me. And, uh, and so I just want to set that uh, in our brains first is uh, if you're praying about it, if you're reading scripture and you're seeking godly advice, um, God wants to be found by you, okay? So maybe you're asking God for guidance and you're still not hearing anything, right? You're like, okay, I've been asking and I really am not hearing anything. Um, I would say that there are probably two things that are going on. The first one that I would say, and I'm going to call you out a little bit on this, is you might not really be asking, you might not really be asking. Um, so are you praying about it, seeking scripture, reading scripture and all that? And as you ask, do you really want to hear his, 
what he has to say. Okay, because sometimes, if, if you're like me at all, sometimes I'm like, okay, God, I'm praying about this and asking you, but I've actually kind of already made up my mind, and I don't, I just really want you to say it's okay, is what I'm asking, right? And we've all had that friend that's dating someone, and they're like six months in and already basically engaged, and they're like, you love him, don't you? And you're like, well, I mean, what am I supposed to say? Y'all are terrible together, but it's obvious you don't really want to know what I think at this point, right? And so I think sometimes we do that with God. And we're like, hey, God, you're good with this, right? And then he's like, well, I'm, I'm not really allowed to say anything. And so maybe that's why he's silent. Maybe that's why you haven't really heard is that you're not really asking in your heart. And so I would just challenge you, maybe you think about that um, and just ask yourself, like, Lord, maybe I need to change the posture of my heart. And maybe as I ask you about my future, as I ask you about my spouse, as I ask you about what city I need to move to or whatever, maybe I need to really be like, Lord, whatever you say, I'll do. I really do mean that. I'll do it, whatever. And I think that maybe you might hear his voice a little bit more clearly when you really give it to him to actually answer that question, okay? Um, And maybe you're like, no, really, I am asking. I really do mean it, and I really am willing to do whatever, and I still don't hear anything. Okay, that's that's great. Um, The other thing that might be happening, that I think might be happening, is that maybe of the options that you're presenting, God is honestly fine with either one. Maybe God's okay with a few options for your life. I think that... um, like if God's, if, if you have a decision between two career paths, both of which you love, neither of which are sinful, and God is silent, maybe he's okay with both of them. I think we kind of, as Christians, sometimes can think that like there's this one, you know, the whole narrow path thing, there's, there's one way. Well, that's just, that just is talking about one way to God is Jesus. That's not talking about one future, okay? So I think that we think there's this one like really skinny, slippery path, and like if we choose one step in the wrong direction, we're forever banished from God. Like we've missed it, right? If we choose the wrong path. And I would just say that's not true. But I, I don't, I personally, as I look at scripture, I do not think that's true because the one path that he gave is Jesus. You follow Jesus, you're on my path, right? And from there, I think he actually has like a couple of paths that he would be totally fine with. I think that uh, he looks at that and he looks at, um, there may be a few options of careers, maybe even spouses or places to live that he knows like, okay, if they go this direction, they'll stay close to me. They'll be able to bring my kingdom on this world and show other people my face through their career. And, uh, and it'll enable you to further his kingdom. So maybe he's okay with multiple Okay, and I think I hope that that kind of takes a little bit of pressure off um, because if you're really asking him and he hasn't told you something else, go with the decision, you know, go with something that you are feeling okay with. And I would say, too, um, if this is you and you're really asking and you're really wondering and you have a couple of options, here's where it's really cool to bring in some godly counsel. Um, Some people that maybe know the Lord that you trust and uh, just put it before them and be like, hey, I wouldn't say ask them, what do I do, right? Because that's a lot of pressure for someone. (laughs) But um, I would say, is there anything I'm missing here? Um, Do you see anything that I'm not seeing? And and as you think about who to talk to about some of these options, um, it might be your grandma. It might not be because maybe she wants little Susie super close to her. So she's not actually super objective as you ask her, right? So it could be a family member or it could be a friend. It could be your life group leader. It could be um, that old lady, that sweet old lady that taught Sunday school at your church back home. I don't know who it is, um, but I would say bring it before someone if you have a couple of options and just see if anyone can see anything that you're missing. Um, But I think that if you make a, quote, wrong decision, like maybe you choose a career and you're like, you know what, I think this was probably a bad choice. 
God will, God will tell you. God will show you that it was the wrong choice, and you can get back on the right path. So I think we, we need to take a little bit of that pressure off of ourselves to choose the perfect career, the perfect path, and just know that God will guide us. God will lead us. If you're staying close to him, if you're reading his word, if you're praying, he'll help you stay on the path. Um, and so just don't make it too complicated either. I think sometimes we're thinking, we're waiting for like, the clouds to part and a dove to fly down holding like a letter of employment for us to sign, right? We're like, that, that's how I'll know. That's how I'll know it's what I'm supposed to do. And like, God does not do that. Even in scripture, there's like a handful of times that happened. Um, and so don't, don't make it too complicated, okay? What direction do you have peace about? Is there a job that um, will keep you in community that's going to keep you close to Jesus? Um, you know, just look, through, look for some of those things. And one final thought that I kind of want to leave you with as you look to your future, and um, is, uh, are there people and places in your life that help you to stay close to the Lord? If, if what we talked about is that the first thing is seek, seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Like if that's kind of the, the first thing um, and maybe as you look at your future, are there places that are good for you spiritually and bad for you spiritually? other people that are good or bad for you spiritually. And maybe that might be the first thing we look to because, you know, like maybe you love your hometown, but every time you go back to your hometown, the reality is you have a really hard time staying connected to God and, and you, you can't help but fall into old habits, right? Maybe that's not the best place to start with looking for a career. What would it look like instead if there's someone, maybe your roommate or something or your friend that you're like, hey, we hold each other accountable really well. We, we help each other stay on path. Where are you applying for jobs? Maybe we could room together. Maybe we could, you know, apply in the same city and help each other through this crazy transition that is post-college. And we can help each other find a church, help each other stay connected to God. Um, maybe that might be a first question to ask. And then from there, applying beyond that. And that, that's, not, that's not like a, you must do this. I'm just presenting that idea. Because I think sometimes we think, what's the best career? What's going to be the cheapest rent? You know, like whatever. We think of some other directions of how we apply for jobs look for our future. And I would just say, what is, what's going to help you stay close to God? And maybe that's a good place to start. Um, but I just want you to remember, as you're thinking about your future, as you're thinking about your future spouse, your future careers, your future cities to live in, grad school, not grad school, like all these decisions about your future, remember that God is not trying to hide from you. Okay, like he wants you to follow him. Um, and, and if he will not let you go too far, even if you do happen to go in the wrong direction, as long as you stay connected to him, stay reading your word, stay praying and, and try and stay in relationship with God, he's not going to let you get too far in the wrong direction. Okay, so I'm going to let Andrew come up and tell a story of a student that was involved. So quick story about a guy named Dylan Salanti. Some of you guys remember Dylan Salanti? Super stud, Dylan. So Dylan, um, Dylan's from Chicago, Illinois, came to TCU to study, and um, man, just loved the Lord when he came here, um, but just graduated with even more of a passion for Jesus. And he graduated in December of 2019. Awesome time to graduate. Um, but he had this, Dylan had the conviction, kind of like what Alicia was talking about, like my, my, I have a conviction that spiritual community is more important than salary, that, that I want to prioritize my faith over just 
money or just opportunity. In, instead of trying to, to find a job somewhere, he started for looking for the right kind of church and the right kind of faith community to be a part of. And about six months before he graduated, he told me, man, I'm really sensing that God's asking me to stay in Fort Worth and stay at Antioch Church. He's like, I don't have any job offers here. I don't know where I'm going to live, but I really am sensing that God wants me to stay here. Now, here's the thing. Dylan could have went back to Chicago. In fact, um, he, he had worked an internship over the summer, and the, and the company said, hey, when you graduate, come back. You got a job. He could have moved back to one of his parents. Um, you know, he could have done all that stuff very easily. But for him, obedience to Jesus was more important to uh, more important than his comfort or his bank account. Like he said, I just, I just want to honor God. I just want to seek him first. So he trusted God um, and he stayed here or, or committed to stay here, even though he wasn't sure how it would pan out. And uh, the longer time went on, the closer it got to graduation, none of the jobs that he was pursuing were panning out. None of the places that he was trying to live uh, were emerging. And so um, he started to feel like he might've made the wrong call. And uh, I'm going to be honest, I was a mentor to him, and I was worried that he might have made the wrong call too. Oh, me of little faith, right? And so right at Thanksgiving, at Thanksgiving, so we're talking about just a handful of weeks before graduation, just a few weeks before graduation, all of a sudden he gets a place to live with like four other godly guys that were already going to his church, and a place to live opened up. And then right at the last minute, he was living off of some savings, and right when he needed it, he got a job part-time as an Amazon delivery driver. So was that the job that a TCU alumni is supposed to get right after graduation? (laughs) No. (laughs) But did God provide for him? Yes. And so over time, um, God's just continued to provide. He got, uh, he applied for and got promoted to an HR position uh, with a, a subcontractor for Amazon. So he's doing pretty good financially, better than he was. Like God's still providing. Is this exactly where he wants to be, you know, in his career path? Not forever, but is God faithful? God has been faithful. And uh, I started to talk to Dylan about, I, I, I texted him and I asked him, hey, dude, tell me about this time of your life. Um, but he said, in this season where I'm driving this Amazon truck and I'm not sure <laughs> that I'm really doing what God asked me to do, but I really think I'm, I really think I'm being faithful. I really think I'm seeking him first. I, I committed to memory, Matthew 6, 25 through 34. He said, I would drive around in my truck and I, and I would remind myself like, God cares about me. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries about itself. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He'd be driving around, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Like he would just be just quoting that to himself. And, and what I asked him was, do you think, what, what do you think would happen in your life and in your faith if you would have just went home? If you'd just taken the easy way out, if you wouldn't have even asked God, but you'd have just gone and done what was open to you. And he's like, I wouldn't trust Jesus nearly as much as I do now. I wouldn't have the intimacy with God that I have now if I would have just done that, but I've chosen to seek him first, and he's been faithful. He's been faithful to provide everything that he needs, just like this passage says. He's standing on the promise of Jesus about the Heavenly Father. So, his bills are paid. His stomach is full. He's not running around without clothes on. He's pursuing Jesus with all that he's, he is. He's, he's thriving spiritually in the will of God. What else could you ask for? What else really could you ask for? And so God's impacted Dylan's life so significantly because he sought the kingdom of God first. 
and he's listened to the voice of God for his future, even when maybe it was difficult and not exactly what he'd hoped it would be. We can experience that. So here's the thing, guys, just in closing. We believe in Chi Alpha that no one was meant to live life alone. No one was meant to live life alone. So we want, we know that you're discerning God's will for your future. We know that you're asking him what he wants for your life, and we want to walk through the process with you. Your life group leader wants to walk through the process with you. Chi Alpha staff, we want to walk through this with you. We want to pray with you. We want to seek God with you. In any way that we can, we want to help you because uh, God cares so deeply about your future. He cares enough about your eternity that he sent his son to die for us, right? Like, if he saved your soul, he can be trusted with your future. And so we're here. Man, we want to be a part of that, and we believe that God does want to help you walk through this season. Thank you for listening today. We'd love to connect with you beyond this podcast. If you want more information about TCU Chi Alpha, visit tcuxa.com. God bless and go Frogs.